intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I'm your host, Efren Guzman. My guest today, he was a professional wrestler. He is an actor, and he is probably... The biggest man I've interviewed so far, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Malay, right? Malay? Malay. <laughs> How you doing today, sir? Very well. Very well. Not too bad, actually. Oh, uh, before I start, um, before I start, sorry, um, how was how was your New Year? How was my New Year? Yeah. Uh, New Year, my New Year's Day, New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I guess the yeah last year overall. Did you have a good year overall last year? Uh, I did. I had some interesting stuff happening, you know, career wise. I filmed Polar, mm-hmm. Polar that came out on Netflix a couple of weeks ago, actually. So that was pretty cool. And then uh, I, uh, not far from here, uh, there's a, a there's a. a Say a, a theater. Yeah. Uh, right. They, they have a theater, they have a theater, but they also have. There's an island. I live two minutes away from a town in the middle, and there's a river And they have a small island that's been there forever. But they built a little village on it with a bridge connected to the mainland. And it's a theme. It's an entertainment area where we celebrate our culture. Because I'm Acadian French. East Coast of Canada, and we tell stories. It's based on a fictional book that basically tells the story of the Canadians for the last few four hundred years. So they all, yeah, it's kind of a heritage place where you know it's where people want to see the history. You know, yeah, and, but it's it's done in a fictional way. They, they add a lot of humor to it because it's based on the book, all, all the fictional characters in the book. But we tell our stories about the Canadians, and I was part of it last summer during the summer season. And basically, I played a character, but I played myself. Yeah. I, I, I told my own story about how I got started in wrestling in movies. So yeah. it was an easy gig. I didn't have to memorize lines. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to be somebody else. <laughs> you know, well, um... <laughs> the, 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 the tours were kind of confused of who I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to take it back because you have a very interesting career because you basically, did you just start out at, into professional wrestling before you got into acting, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I was a big wrestling fan, big pro wrestling fan back in the mid-80s, late, towards the late 80s, and convinced myself that I could be a wrestler since I was different than anybody else my age. You know, I, was, I was I was tall, taller than anybody else. You know, so I was, I was above average, and uh, and I thought because they love big guys at the time, you know, mid eighties, they had all big guys, right? like Hulk Hogan, Walter White, you know, Andre, yeah, all those big guys. So I figured I because I, I loved I loved it so much. I was a man, I loved the sport. I was a big man, and I figured, well, if I love it, that's a, that counts because you have to love. It. And since I was, I was not a big guy, I was a tall guy, you know, big bone, but I was not filled up, I was only 16 at the time, so it was kind of skinny, but, but 
to make it as a career since I was a big guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so they always treated me different growing up at home. You know, I was yeah. figured I was different than anybody else, but I could, you know, maybe that would be a positive from the, as a career pro wrestling. But, you know, I had a lot of encouragement from my friends, my family. So, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm, it's not like I convince, it took time for me to convince myself to, to try it. You know, it was a, it's a silly thing to do after high school to be a pro wrestler. It's not, it's not really <laughs> especially here back home. Yeah. Usually you find a career, you go to college, or you go, you know, you find a skill, yeah. a skill. <laughs> being a pro wrestler, is, it's totally out, out of the norm. Well, um, did you go to did you what wrestling school did you go to? Did you go to a wrestling school? There was, there was hardly any wrestling school here in the Maritimes. I'm from the Brunswick. I'm from uh, you know, Moncton, New Brunswick. It's a small province, one of the smallest provinces in, in Canada. And I mean, it's it's a well-known wrestling pro, pro, uh, territory as well. Yeah. Uh, in Canada at the time back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, every territory was hot in Canada, like the U.S. Yeah. They had all territories before Vince uh, monopolized the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so we were in Atlantic Grand, it was called Atlantic Grand Prix West. And it was very hot the territory. Like you had Ontario, then Quebec, out west, first Stampede. And we were a pretty hot commodity. And I mean, I watched it. I mean, uh, I loved it watching it on TV every Saturday with my dad. And uh, so to find a school, it was hard. Uh, this, is, this, this is like 30 years ago. We had no internet. You, know. you couldn't <laughs> find, click on where's the nearest school. You, couldn't, you can't do that. You couldn't. Yeah. So we had to ask people, like people who had to stop at sports stores or whatever. People would, you know, it was hard to find. It was me and my dad, my mom were trying to find that place. Nearest, you know, we lived forty minutes for the nearest city, London, and uh, it was it was tough. Then, then I found out uh, a wrestler, a well-known wrestler, local wrestler from the area, was playing hockey in the winter, ten minutes away in my hometown, ten minutes away from home. And I figured, well, this is this is my chance, you know, just to show up and you know, to introduce myself. So, uh, so I, which I did. I went. It was, his name is Stephen Pettibone. And uh, so it was between periods. I, uh, I went to see him in the dressing room, and he was impressed. You know, I told him I wanted to be trained as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. If he could me. Now this is in January. You know, he didn't really. His mind wasn't into, into wrestling at the time. But uh, so he, you know, you, he, he said, you know, well, uh, he had to think about it and stuff. You know, and see, we'll see. So of course, eight months later. This is 1990. This is will be almost 30 years ago now. Almost. Uh, in months later, he, he called me. Was I completely forgot about it? I was still dreaming to be wrestling. I didn't know how. You know, I, I exhausted my opportunities. You know, went to see him. Went to see the promoter as well. He really didn't have time for me either. You know. But uh, eight months later, he called. He made a phone Calls me up and asked me uh, if I was still interested to be trained as a professor. Because here, they go by seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Starts in May, uh, goes into September, right before, before school starts. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, for three months, seven days a week, though. 
uh, different towns. And uh, so at the end of the season, there were a couple of guys left the territory to go somewhere else. So they were missing some guys. So they figured, well, they, Stephen followed me because they figured I was a, a giant. I was a, an attraction, so that helped. You know? yeah. And they got a couple other guys, athletes from the air, from the Wellington, from the city as well. So three to three of us. And so I, I got into it. You know, I was so excited finally being trained, you know, in a, in a real wrestling ring, a 40-year-old wrestling ring. <laughs> and uh, it was very exciting, you know, yeah. to learning. No, this is a crash course. It wasn't like a four or five months, you know, uh, uh, training facility like they do out in Florida. This this is this is uh, like a bump, like a crash course of wrestling. So basically, if you know how to lock up, how to take a bump, you know, headlocks, basic stuff. Mm-hmm. But that was it. Four four weeks of training, and then we we, we got we, we finished the season. Like we, we we worked for like a month before before the season uh, for the for the year. But just I got my taste my taste to be involved in, in wrestling. You know, uh, toward the small town, the rented the air places I've never been before in the, in the East Coast. So that's very exciting. though, being part of the. The world of the pro wrestling because I, I was always a fan, and all of a sudden I'm in, I'm in, I'm finally doing it. You know? So I did my first match in my hometown in front of my family, my friends. I was super nervous, you know? <laughs> but it, it was an exciting time. It was in the summer, you know, and uh, so I, luckily, you know, people, I, you know, I, I, I was convinced. Trying to reach people that like pedophile, trying to bug them so much that they came to me afterwards. So that how, that's how it worked out. So I was very lucky. Wow. So you was doing that for a while, and um, th- um, you was wrestling in different promotions, right? USWA and um, promotions, uh-huh. right? And well, out there. USWA, that, that came, well, USWA that came with the, the whole WWF. Oh, okay, okay. It came together. Yes. Oh, so how so how did how did you get involved in that? Did they did they had scouts look at you and they seen you? Um, they did. I, uh, this this is 1996. Yeah. At the end of '96, this is in November. Uh, I got a call. Now at the time, my career was low. Was, I wasn't too busy, but the Maritimes here. And the promotion shut down, so it was nothing here, really. Yeah. And, uh, and then they have really, I mean, I've been overseas. Lucky enough, I went overseas, went to Japan and Mexico. But not enough to, to continue to, to be steady, you know. It's, so it was very frustrating. Again, I was in the same area that uh, I had a taste of it, but, you know, I, I didn't, I was, I was just, I had no manager. So yeah. At the time, uh, pro wrestlers, you had to, most of them do it on your own, so I figured well, I could do it on my own, but that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> so I'm not a really good manager myself. But uh, so I didn't really push it to find, to help, to find some bookings and stuff. So, so, so I didn't, you know. So I stayed home, and what I do, well, I had to find work. So I was a bouncer. I mean, I had to bouncing up bars and stuff. So I did, I did that for a while. Mm-hmm. So. so Thinking I was wasting my time, you know, so I loved wrestling, but I couldn't find a way to continue it and to go outside my norm, my, my, my the province, or to go to the U.S. That was my goal. Yeah. Yes. 
But uh, but I I got a call that November from Leo Burke. His name is Leo Burke. Leo Burke is a is a, is a professional wrestler. He's local. He's from the he's from the Maritimes, uh, from the uh, from my area. But he's no. He's been he toured Puerto Rico. He went to the U.S. for a while. Not with New York, but for the NWA and toured Japan. A veteran of wrestling. He's a, one of the best minds in wrestling. Yeah. And him and his two siblings were also wrestlers too. Three or three brothers, four, four brothers actually were wrestlers. Mm-hmm. We're well known here. Big, big faces. Uh, but Leo did a lot of time in Outlets. He knows the Hart family. He, he trained, basically trained Brett the Headman Hartman when the Hart was a kid. He worked for, was when that, uh, Leo worked for his dad, was too hard. Mm-hmm. So he knows the family. And when he when Leo called, Leo was assisting uh, was assisting Bret Hart to train new talent. Yeah. So at Bret's uh, Bret Hart's house home in Calgary, Alberta, west. And uh, and so Leo was helping training new guys for for the WWF. But Bret was still big at the time. He was a, was a champion that wanted to still a big star before before the whole screwdriver happened. Mm-hmm. But. Um, so Leo told me, told Brett about me, you know, Leo was, Brett was interested to see me. Mm-hmm. So, so when I got the call from Leo Bird, it was like, Brett, Brett wants to see me. I was like, this is it. There <laughs> <laughs> we go. <laughs> yeah. It's a very exciting call, you know, it's another call. So, yeah, I, I flew it up to, to Calgary. I spent a month, I met Brett for the first time. It was pretty exciting. Nice guy, you know. Uh, I spent a month. They had a ring set up over his indoor pool, and uh, basically we're learning the basics. Do what he wanted to know if it could work. So, so all the basic stuff that I learned before, you know, headlocks and all that stuff, and bumps. And, and Leo was helping me out too. Leo was helping. What's up? It's great because Leo I knew since I started doing business. He was really a mentor of mine. Yeah. And that's how I got started slowly. Then, then Brett was happy after a month of my performance. And then he uh, talked to Vince, I guess, one of the agents. Then he flew me down. This is February, January or February of 1997. Yeah. He flew me down to Stanford, Canada. This is, of course, the head office of the, of the WWF. And that's where I met my future partner. Sent us down to this is where the USWA 
comes up. Uh, the sun has lots of formal training more, more ex- to get more experience. So the sun has landed Memphis. <laughs> now, they didn't say how long, of course. They, they told us maybe a month, maybe two months. So there's no guarantee they would have called us up either to, to, for a big WWF debut. So there was a lot of uh, uncertainty of it, you know. So it was very stressful for me, you know, what it was. But this is Memphis. Yeah, I was so far away from, from home. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but this, I knew I knew this was only my, my the only chance to be to be in it. This is the only way to get in. Mm-hmm. This was my second trial too. Because I forgot to mention, my first trial was back in '91. Oh. I did it in Utica, New York. You know, for for TV taping. Didn't work out because I was still green at the time. So. This is my five years later, you know, this is my second chance, so this is my only way to, to get into plenty, you know, to, to be part, to, to give it a try, at least be part of the WWF. Yeah. But it became more than, a, more than a month. It became like two to three to four months. So four months down in the south, it was, it was without seeing, being home. It was tough. You know, we had to work every day, small towns, small national armories, gyms, gymnasiums, every day. Uh, but you learn, though. You learn as a team how to work together as a team. That was the whole point, you know. You to learn, to make mistakes. You learn from it. You do, you do it better the next day in a different town, you know. And uh, But at, at the end of four months, it's funny how, they, how, we, how we went. This is in June, the, the end of our run, the, 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 the office, the WWF office, decided to let us go for some reason. At the last, like, basically, at the, the end of four months, they, they, let us, they didn't want to give us a try. They basically just let it go. Oh. Which was, it was pretty disappointing after all that time. So, uh, so I went back home, got married, first of all, because <laughs> my wife... But to be was prepping the, the wedding when I was away, you know. Yeah. I got home, I got married right away. <laughs> the, the day after I got home. And uh, and, uh, and during my, my honeymoon, uh, which, was, which was in the area, still back in the East Coast, we didn't go that far for the honeymoon, but I got the call from, I got a call. Yeah. So they told us uh, from uh, Bruce Pritchard, which is still, he was you know, big, big in the office at the time. Told us they were they were still interested in us as a church manager. They were to fly us into uh, to uh, the TV taping raw the raw TV taping in Detroit mm-hmm. for Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Uh, to, 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 to to do a dark match, a trial match. Yeah. So that was our those you know uh, uh, our last chance basically to to show them what we learned and how that that we can still be. Pretty, pretty good, at least for them, you know, to show them what we got. Yeah. So, so basically, after a few days of honeymoon, I had to go back home and then fly out to, to Detroit. Met my met my truth and commission guys, partners. Yeah. And did our our match. Did our, it was three against three. Mm-hmm. We had our commandant at ringside, yes. Robin Smith from South Africa. Uh, this is in front of not 30, 50 people like in Memphis, but in front of like 6,000 people at the Julius Arena. So we were very nervous, obviously, because 
this is do or die. Yeah. You know? So, uh, but we worked, we worked, we worked out the match. At the end of the match, they were very happy with our, our performance. Mm-hmm. The only goal of, uh, of Mike Havoc, Mike Havoc played was Tank. Mike was also mentor years before. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, uh, they let him go. But he was replaced with a with a Canadian guy actually from Quebec <laughs> that uh, we got along very well with. Luke Poirier who played uh, sniper. Uh, and uh, yeah, basically after our dark match, a week later they flew us into somewhere in uh, Idaho, I guess, for TV from the raw taping, and they got to, we got to introduced to our contracts and signed up. So after four, five, well maybe six months. When I got the call in November '96, in June, six months later, finally signed up to the WWF. This was pretty. <laughs> you know, I didn't know it was going to happen, but it worked out. You know? So it's, that's that's how I got started. The whole, yeah. The whole, yeah. So it was pretty cool, though. Pretty cool. Pretty. So then, from there, you was with the Truth Commission, and then they made you a singles wrestler, right? And then you went with yeah. the ICP from there too, right? Um, no, with the Truth Commission, though, that that year they had to go the game, the whole game's the theme going on that summer. Yeah, you know, they got us, you got the DOA, which we worked a lot with. Uh, the, of course, they had the, the Nation of Domination, they had the uh, DX as well, yeah. and they had the Lost Boy Requests. Yeah, you know, all the big team factors. Yeah. So, but you know, those they, that. that it was not going to last forever with the teens, you know. So of course it died, it died off, died off. And uh, we did. Uh, at the end of the year, they kind of split us, uh, split us up because they, they they were pushing me. They wanted to push me as a, the, the the next thing to work with the Undertaker to work. They wanted me to work. The office wanted me to work with the Undertaker. Yeah. So I was big, really taller, as big as Taker, or maybe almost taller than the Undertaker, Undertaker actually. So mm-hmm. I, they wanted me to be as a, that's uh, Nemesis, I would say, or work a program with him. Yeah. So they wanted to groom me up, so they separated me. That's where Kerrigan came about. I was called the interrogator. Yeah. Which is not a real name, it's just a title. So they thought about names, and Kerrigan came out. Kerrigan saw the name from the Solid Strong, you know? Yeah. Push what? With the Parkers yeah. They were, yeah, they weren't they were sure what to do with me after the push. Yeah. Where they can bring 
bring your wives for that weekend. So of course at the end party they had to dance, they had music. And my wife loves to dance. And, yeah. uh, and I usually dance with her, of course, go to party to wedding receptions here. I dance with her too. So of course she asked me to dance there. Which, yeah. you know, I, 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 I should have realized uh, I was the only male wrestler dancing. <laughs> Like what is he? What the fuck he's doing? <laughs> right? A, a dancing giants. You can believe how that does a dance. <laughs> Apparently, now this is what happened too. It's Vince. Vince was an airport, and Vince saw me dancing. He couldn't get the idea of the dancing Kurgan out of his mind. <laughs> and uh, so that's what the whole opportunity came about. Oh my god! No, we were heel faction. We were heel faction oddities. Yeah. The jackal. <laughs> I answered the phone it was Vince Russo which is unusual too because I never got a call from that guy ever you know? wow. so he calls me home it's like what the hell's going on yeah. I thought it was going to get released or something and then uh, so he called me picks me the idea of this the fun loving oddities mm-hmm. you know the whole the old, the, how to introduce one when I was and I just saw it you know uh, just uh, just in a tuxedo me into the hot giant silver, which is big, he's bigger than Yeah. Two guys in tuxedos and uh, escorting uh, Luna Lasho, which is dressed up as a princess. Yeah. Round around while singing in Miss America, don't have to win. Yeah. And, uh, and then John Tinto, intimidating earthquake, turned yeah. into a Golga. Golga, yeah. kind of broke that up did it did vince put a kibosh on the whole discourse yeah it just ran his course okay yeah 
this goes so it's, yeah yeah it's, it's how we're, 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 we're the world's biggest jobbers at the end. Big guys get dropped out. Yeah. <laughs> um, we weren't taking, we weren't taking us too seriously because we're just there to come. You know, we weren't that vicious enough, or that threatening enough, I suppose. Yeah. We got the crowd going, but that was it. You know, we weren't that much of a threat. Yeah, because at first when you started out. Yeah, because like, when you first started out, you was with Don Callis. It's the singles, and you was, like, terrifying, and, you know, you had the look, and you had the gimmick. Then they put you with the oddities, and then all that meanness you had just went away. So it was just like, True. you know. It's fun, though. I mean, it, it showed a different light up, for sure. Yeah. I, mean, just, uh, I, mean, I, I tried to have fun with it, which I did, you know. I was, uh, like I told you earlier, wasn't too comfortable, but when I got over, I got, I got really into it, you know. It was... This stuff a lot, but yeah, it, it took away for sure the threat or the the curve, what the curve was before. This mean competitor, as this fun loving guy, doesn't take take stuff seriously. Yeah, that wasn't much of a threat for sure. Uh, so how uh, so how did it end for you? So they let you go? Are you you were still wrestling in the independent circuit too? Yeah. Uh, how they did, of course, they dropped us out. They destroyed the audience. And at the time, they put the, uh, they put the Undertaker in the Ministry of Darkness. Taker was made big heel. So, I remember I was going for TV taping for, and this is Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. I remember that. I mean, all the towns are all the same, but that town sticks out for me because it was my last match for, for, for that. Uh, and I remember seeing, uh, watching the card, all the matches for taping. I saw Hurting versus The Undertaker. It was like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> but then you realize how long the match is? It's five minutes. It's like, yeah. okay. Wow. I have feelings are going to be a squash match. It's not going to be a good match. <laughs> yeah. I knew I was going to jump. Obviously, I knew I was going to do a job for Taker, which was always been happy to do. You yeah. know, because Taker is Taker, and I think Taker is fucking. Uh, and, uh, I would love to work with him and to do a job for him. He's the man. Uh, but no, this is one sided match. You know, it was not a match at all. You know? Yeah. But it was, their, their, their storyline was to destroy the oddities. The oddities, yeah. To, to, to go away from TV, they wanted to send me down to, uh, me and, and John Silva down to Mexico. Mm-hmm. To Mexico for a few months, work a program with each other, he would be a baby face, he'll be healed, then come back to the States uh, uh, as a, I would say, a different gimmick, I would say. You know, to, uh, so yeah, basically out of TV and come back as something new, something different. Maybe they wanted me to learn more stuff in Mexico, of course. They wanted me to learn more, you know, more, more of its Mexican style, or more, more you know, to, 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 to gain some more experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't really was too crazy about that news. Yeah. Know, going back to Mexico, going to Mexico, because I've been to Mexico before. Not a big place, really. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there from the beginning of my career. To, to go back to it for six weeks wasn't too crazy about that yeah especially I've been gone for four months 
the, the whole thing in Memphis. Now I'm going back for a month or two months down in Mexico. But they promised me they're going to bring me back, you know, as a repackage for a game or whatever. It's all right. So my last one was with Taker. Was, I, I did the best I could do trying to make him look good. You know, we're talking about the finish. Well, you know, I remember looking at me now, I'm not going to do the two, tombstone. Was, I'm kind of happy he did. <laughs> but I suggested the choke slam. Which I never, I, I never took a choke slam before. I usually, I usually do the choke slam because yeah. the guy. You know, no one's doing it to you. <laughs> yeah. But it's me. I never did it before. So I asked all the guys who were all used to taking choke slams, like Edge, Christian, was my friend, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> how, how can you, t- how can you do a proper choke slam? How can you take a bump on the choke slam? So, uh, so, so, they, when the time came, you know, it was, first of all, working was an experience. I was in the ring first, of course, with the whole oddities thing. And then the whole, you know, Taker came in, the lights go down, the big ball, the, the fucking smoke. And he comes in, it was, I know it's a work, but he, it's very intimidating. So to go on, and see him then going down the ramp. <laughs> the lights of the gong. Very, yeah. I was marking out, you know, <laughs> but uh, finally working with the guy, it's real. It's real surreal working with the Undertaker in the ring finally. But uh, it was a short match. Uh, so I went up, when the time came, I jumped up, I pushed up, I made it look good. He was very impressed, happy with it. And all the, the rest of the Undertakers uh, came in and jumped that dog, you all got beat up by the ministry. That was it. But yeah, Taker was impressed. He was happy. That's, that's what I wanted him to make him happy. Mm-hmm. The last impression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I actually wanted to make him a good impression. So yeah, so I spent, uh, went down to Mexico for a few weeks as a heel, working with Silva. It was very tough working for Silva. He's not an easy guy. He's a big, freaking giant, strong guy. You know, his strength, you know, he's stiff. I work stiff, but he works even stiffer. Even stiffer. And, uh, but it, I came back home after six weeks. I came back home, this is in July, so it was 99. And I got a call from Bruce Pritchard. Again, Bruce Pritchard called me up a couple of years ago, give us a second chance. Well, this time, the call was to let me go. And they let me go, because you know, maybe for some reason they were satisfied or whatever reason. Yeah. They let me go on the phone. So this is not the call I wanted to, to take or to wanted to hear. That's what, that's what it is, what it was. Luckily, though, the success I had on TV, or the little success I had on TV, especially WWF TV, it was whistling around the world. I didn't, it wasn't hard for me to get booked. You know, it's not like in the beginning of my career that wish nobody could be. Well, TV, WWF TV, you know, it seemed worldwide. So it was easy to get booked. I was, it was, I was not. So I was able to book myself. I went overseas, Japan, Korea, all around, you know, Canada, wasn't the same as being in New York for sure, you know, it's uh, the money wise as, as well, you know. but I mean, yeah, I did go at it, Wow, so it was, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating though, like from, you know, <laughs> being wrestling in front of 
like 50 people you said to wrestling in front of 6,000 people going to, you know, being sent to Mexico, coming back down, and, you know, you was wrestling in the independence too, right, for a little bit before you... I was, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I did a lot of independence, yeah. Yeah, um, so what... It was fun. It was, you know what? It was fun when I first did my first match after I was released from the WWF. I did my first match back back home in my hotel, back to my first promotion where I started. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun because it didn't really when you work, when you work for the WWF, it's very stressful because they only give you like a certain amount of minutes time for tape or to do well taping. So you didn't you couldn't have a proper match really, you know. And uh, so you stress, it's very stressful, and you're, you know, trying to get yourself over. But finally, when you, when I did my first match at home, in front of well, maybe almost a thousand people, which is pretty good crowd for us, considering for Indian show. Yeah, it was fun. It was just my stress. It was just I made it. It was just relaxing and fun to be there, even though it was not the same level, but still. Yeah, it's just the pressure was off. Yeah, you know? it, was a, it was a great summer. So um, what made you, I guess, retire then? Like, it was there, did you have an injury or you just no, stopped or? No, I continued, funny enough, I continued wrestling. At the point, well, I got tired of the, of touring. I had a feeling it wasn't advancing my career. I wanted to do a comeback in the WWF. Another run at it. I even went to myself to Calgary. So, uh, on the plane, and uh, to, to, we're doing a taping. Yeah. On taping and smack taping, Calvin and Edmonton, and Matt uh, Jim Ross. And, yeah, they were still interested in having me. But I don't know, I, I could, the urge and passion was not there. Yeah. I didn't want to go through the whole, the whole bullshit, or the whole, uh, the whole, like, I'll spend four months in Memphis, a little long time, a little big circle. I don't want to go through that sacrifice again. You know, missing that same year too. But that, that to not pursue a bit of career because being away from home, not from my family, you know, missing my dad. Yeah. You know, when my dad died, I was at home. I was away working three hours away. Yeah. So that a lot. I lost my passion to be a to be a professor. You know? I still continue to do some the weekend warrior thing, especially in Quebec. I, I work with Jacques Rougeau. Yeah. Course, uh, the the Rougeau brothers, yeah. Yeah, he was a big time wrestling uh, promoter at the time. He was promoting family shows. Mm -hmm. he had his students had his wrestling school, and his own students had his uh, two of his sons wrestling as well. And so we were good friends. He, he got me started too. We knew him for a long time. Shows from the long road, and uh, he, he brought me out. So basically, to do shows in Quebec, all over Quebec, and he would take care of me. He would 
finally down. That matches the weekend. I had a full time job here at home as well. I had to pay the bills, so I had to work at a, at a manufacturing company for making the working sheet metal. Yeah. So it was convenient and it was a steady work. Better than wrestling. Wrestling wasn't that steady, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that was for a few years, it was like that, you know. Yeah. And then, um,. Uh, I said, so, like, you was wrestling most of the time, and then, you know, you still had a passion for it, even though you wasn't in, like, the big time, but you still was doing it on the side, right? I was doing Korea tour, a lot of Korea tours. Yeah. Back and forth tours. This is fun. There was a lot of fun to do. Being in Korea, yeah, it's a great experience. Yeah. Doing a lot of Quebec tours. But that was really it for wrestling. You know, I didn't really pursue it to go back to the U.S. at all. And then, uh, but, the, but the, that's where the acting came about, the oh. opportunity in acting. Uh, I did a local, I was referred to an agent back, this in Halifax. This is three hours from me, Penny City, here in my in Halifax. And then they were doing some uh, TV series. Mm-hmm. There, there. And I was referring to an agent from an actor, a friend of mine. Thing I could be good in, in doing an acting sense and my look and everything else. I had to look. Mm-hmm. So I figured, well, if that makes sense, as all the wrestlers were doing it, going into the acting industry. So I gave it a try. And got an agent, and I got small gigs, not big gigs, Yeah. <laughs> 
I thought they were, I thought they gave up on me. So I called them you know, right away after like five days. I didn't call them out. I finally called them and hoping they were interested, which they were. They were still, they were still interested in me. Okay, they didn't find anybody else. They flew me down to, uh, to Montreal. Now, I still have my full-time job. I still have my full-time employee in the company I work for. So, uh, so I had to take a day off to fly me down to, to Montreal to meet the producers, and the director, and, uh, and the stunt guys. The one from Tenovo was big enough, but they were auditioning all the big guys before me. So they wanted to know see I was big, or if I could move too, because I was doing the, the audition, it was an audition where so they wanted me to, to play with a sword, a wooden sword, how to coordinate with a sword, move around. And I was super dark, I was, I was, I was working night shift, my job is working night shift, mm-hmm. so I didn't have no, physically, I had no sleep whatsoever. Yeah. So I was, I was afraid I was going to lose the gig because lack of sleep. But I stayed awake, drank a lot of coffee. Uh, the, uh, and then the end of the day, yeah, basically they wanted to know if I could take a fall in the entry, take a, take a punch, which I knew, of course, from the wrestling. But uh, it was very cool to be on the, on the on set, to see the sets. So I think my first time in the Hollywood uh, set, which yeah. was very exciting. They call it feature, big budget movie. Yeah. and 
answer. The producers wanted an answer that day, that moment. They couldn't wait that long. So I was like, I could still lose it, you know. So I called my boss, and my boss is a very understanding guy. Yeah. A very nice guy, he was really good. And I told him about doing a film, doing the, offered me to do the movie with the Montreal, a big movie. Uh, okay, cool. We're, we're to, he said if he's, he's going to talk about it to his other staff on Monday, on the next Monday. So, of course, that couldn't happen with me. The, you know, so, basically, I said, no, they need an answer today. You know, I basically said, this is one time in the lifetime, blah, 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 to the whole steel story. Yeah. And uh, he understood. You know, he said, okay, no problem. Say yes, do it, and then we'll figure it out afterwards. So, that's how I got started with 300. Uh, that wow. was very exciting, very cool to be part of the, the, the whole filming. And wow. I was very mortal. I was uh, seeing the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was covered in latex for five hours of, of, of prepping for makeup on the, on the makeup chair. Long hours. Uh, it was very, very cool, though. I mean, they, they, they treated you pretty good. I mean, on it said we had a Zeus chiropractor, a fitness trainer, of course. <laughs> wow. And then uh, great food. Catering was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Working with Jared Butler, all the big stars. Yeah. So it was a great experience being my first film. And of course the movie, uh, when I was done, I did my last day, um, flew me back home, back back to reality, back to my old job. Yeah. You know, to treat me like a king and all of a sudden you're back to your... <laughs> you're <laughs> back to job. being 10 feet low. <laughs> it, it, it does. It's, I mean, that happened a few times, of course. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but 300, it took a long time for it to come out. It, was, uh, it took almost a year and 15, yeah. maybe 15 months before it came, was released. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Post production, special effects stuff, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, but, so I wasn't sure if it was going to make the final cut. That's another thing, too. But since throughout my, my career, when you do a film, you can. Chop you up and edited you. Some of the scenes don't want be in the final film. That happened before. I got cut out of the film too yeah. uh, a while back. So it, it happens. You know? So I was getting kind of nervous, you know, right before release time, the premiere time was uh, was, uh, was happening. But then I saw posters, individual posters of all the, the stars and film, and I saw my poster. <laughs> and then the trailer came out and I was in the trailer but even that old the trailer sometimes doesn't mean you're in the film too right but it, it showed that yeah I was going to be going to be in the movie yeah. now and it was very exciting to watch it for the first time I had to watch it I didn't go to the premiere but I watched it back home with my family yeah and, you uh, know. It was, yeah it was cool it was cool watching 300 get my head pretty <laughs> <laughs> you know it's got to be a <laughs>
Jimmy as a clown, Goofy, and you know, how yeah. I got released. It was kind of a, I, don't know, I wouldn't say redemption, but comeback at least. Yeah. You know, in a different way in the movie. Yeah. I wasn't a successful box office movie. I had a small part of it. Yeah. I wasn't a part of it, but I had a small part. I was part of that film. You know? Yeah. So it, was, it, was very, it was a great feeling. Yeah, and you know, you've yeah. been a part of a, in a lot of, many films, you know, because your body of work is out there from, you know, playing the Minotaur, Frankenstein, Thor, you know, you play so many different characters and a lot of big characters, so, you know, like, you stand out when you do a lot of certain movies, but, um, like, you kept getting work after work after work, right, once you started 300? It was, yeah, but 300 took a while, though, because, like I said, it didn't have an agent, it, it, it took a while before the before I got busy. It really happened with Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes happened a year later, after, like a year later after the movie, the 300 came out. Yeah. 2008. Uh, the 300 came out in 2007. Yeah, like, yeah, around that time. Yeah. A year later, I got... Now, that was interesting, though. Uh, was, I thought, well, 300 was... Nothing happened afterward, but they didn't have a representation at the time. No agent. So, okay, back to reality, back to my job. This is fine. And I was very excited in getting on that buzz of 300 for a while, but nothing happened, you know. But uh, Sherlock Holmes came about. I knew Sherlock Holmes. They were shooting Sherlock Holmes last summer. Yeah. Robert Downey became big again with Iron Man. Yeah. And his name was going to be Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. So I uh, remember I followed the news, the entertainment news, and I saw Sherlock Holmes got cast, uh, Robert Downey got cast, and Jude Law got cast, Richard McAdams, Guy Ritchie, big deal. And then at the end of September, or August of September, let's say, I got a call, no, it was an email or a call, I think it was a call. It was a call from this British uh, accent guy, you know, from calling from London. I said, oh, what the hell? Yeah. He was, was involved with casting office. And asking me if it was my availability to film the movie, to film Sherlock Holmes in the fall. I was like, I understood what the hell he was talking about this time. I didn't miss that call. Like I, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I learned my lesson. But uh, I was like, oh, oh, this is, I know how big this is going to be. This is another Warner Brothers a big movie, a huge movie. Uh, but it's not like it basically my availability, and then they wanted to. I had an audition too, but not lines. I didn't have lines. I said, "Well, I know they want to see my face first of all, my look." So I have my old Kurgan pictures all over the place. So I send them my old Kurgan pictures, my, my, with my main face. Yeah. Some some of those, okay, that they were happy with those, but they wanted to see me uh, uh, run. Because in the Sherlock Holmes, I, I do a lot of running, running away from uh, Sherlock Holmes. So they wanted to see me if I could run. So, okay, I'm not a runner. <laughs> I maybe do sprints at the gym or a 10 minute roll up. I'm not a runner. Yeah. Okay. So I had to set up my best, my, one of my best friends, uh, he had the camera, and uh, he wanted me to, to run on a racetrack behind the high school. Uh, so so the, night, the night before, the day before we do it, I decided, well, let's, let's give this, I wanted to, see if I could run. <laughs> Probably, so I, I ran the night before. Just the, 
warm up. To warm up, yeah. Yeah, to see if I could do it. But you don't do that because I never ran the whole summer. So if you ran the night the day before, and then you do the big taping the day after, well, you know, your legs are dead. So, of course, that's what happened. The, the taping was ready to run, and my, dead, my legs were just destroyed the day before. It was a stupid move to do. <laughs> so I thought I lost my gig. I lost, I lost the Sherlock Holmes gig because I, I could send the taping of me running because my legs were dead. It didn't matter. They didn't. It didn't care. You know, really, because they, they flew me. They wanted me, anyways. Now they didn't offer me the gig uh, officially, but I should have known because they flew me business class to London. Yeah. Uh, first class. It's, of course, they, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't offer you the, the Dutch job. Yeah. But they, 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 they sent me down to London. Uh, did a cash reading, uh, a round table cash reading, just where I met everybody. You know, everybody saw the starstruck, it was like, holy Christ. <laughs> you know, I believe it was, I was there, really. Yeah. Met everybody, everybody was super nice. Uh, and then they did the wardrobe fitting afterwards. Even now, though, in my head, do they, do I, did they get the job? Do I have to, do I have to roll? I wasn't sure. They yeah. Didn't really offer. Like I said, it didn't have an agent. An agent would do that. An agent would make sure that, you know. So at the end of the last, but right before they flew me out back home, because I was only there, there for a couple of days, uh, I had to ask the stunt guys, do you have the role? So they were looking at me like, well, yes. You know, they were shaking <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so I had to confirm it. it was, but, uh, so, yeah, so I spent two months in London. All over the country, filming the movie. It's very exciting being a tourist, working in that film with those guys, with those amazing actors. Had a great role. Movie came out, became a huge movie. And that helped me a lot too. It was three hundred. I was covered in latex. Yeah. Good people recognized me from that movie, but three hundred, you, know, you could see me. That helped a lot you know, to my exposure, and that was very exciting. You know, for a big movie, and really did very well. And, and I, yeah, so it was that kind of that's where it got started. That's right. Yeah, from Sherlock Holmes, that's where it got a little busier. You know? Yeah. Um. Did you get an agent later on after that? I did. I yeah. had to. I had yeah. To, was, I was. I had to get. I, I had to get an agent. It was right before. Uh, maybe right after I got. Uh, after I got Pacific Rim. Yeah. I got a real Pacific Rim that I had to find an agent. Now, I was getting interesting for, for agencies. I remember I was uh, doing an interview with two two agencies in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And it was two respected agencies. And then uh, uh, that same day, two interviews, and they were interested in me. They, were, they wanted me. And I had to make a decision to choose one. You know, it was a tough decision, but I mean, but I mean, I'm glad I made the final decision. She was my agent. Mm-hmm. I, I had her for it's been, it's going to be eight years now. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so it's you know, she's very good and treats me good and finds in front of you know, she protects me and makes sure I get trying to find some some interesting roles for me. You know, that, that would suit my my my, yeah, my acting ability. I must say, my size. My yeah. Style. And uh, yeah, so trying to, you know, so just, I've, been, I've been lucky to have an agent. It's, it's, 
it's so takes the stress away. It really does because if everyone's just doing it on my own, filming, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's so nice to have somebody to take care of your business for you, your negotiation and all that stuff. Make sure you're taken care of. All you have to do is to show up. Yeah. yeah. Show up for work. And that was it. Oh. So your line show up. The rest, my agent will take care of it. Yeah. The flights, all that stuff. Yeah. It's, I want, yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, how did she get you the TV role in The Strain? Because that was like your longest episodes you've been on television, which was a great show, by the way. Um, yes. How did you get that role? Right? She didn't get me The Strain. Oh, no? Oh. oh, Pacific Rim. Okay. But it really started, the movie I did, now, Show Cover was the biggest movie I was part of. A big role. But my proudest role I was part of was uh, right after Pacific Rim. Uh, was offered an audition for a role of this Russian seven feet tall boxer called uh, Anton Protopov. Yeah. We called him Big Bang. And Big Bang was starred in Tomb of Banderas. It's a low budget film. It's an indie film. But the cast is crazy. Amazing. Like, you got Banderas as the lead. Sam Elliott uh, was in it. Uh, they had uh, one of Wow. So, again, from the Big Bang, you know, to open a lot of big opportunities. 
trilogy of books and uh, said this is a badass character he's the villain he's not a henchman he's the bad guy he's, he's the he's the one who starts the whole the whole plague yep you know, so it's very exciting to play the mask being a badass uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, a lot of uh, time and a lot of very heavy work very heavy makeup yeah well makeup was yeah about two or three hours of makeup uh, which is not too bad yeah but uh, the wardrobe was very heavy I had to wear a cool vest to keep it cool yeah with ice cubes and stuff but uh, it was very exciting to play the Yeah, Corey Stoll, yeah. Kevin, I made friends. Well, Kevin is another guy, Kevin Durant, who played the... Uh, yes, Kevin Durant, guy. yeah. Well, Kevin Durant, it's funny, though. When I was shooting Pacific Rim in Toronto, I was on the was this is my day off, I went to the gym, going back to my hotel. And then I see this guy walking towards me, or walking to, uh, beside me. I recognize him. Because I've seen Kevin Durant in the movies throughout the years. Because mm -hmm. he, he, he does stick out, he has a unique look, he's a big, he's a big guy. So I recognized him right away. I knew he was Canadian. I, I stopped him and uh, I introduced myself. I think he recognized me from Holmes and Sherlock Holmes. So yeah. we had a great chat. Nice, super nice guy. So I chatted for a few minutes. He think he was there for shooting Resident Evil. Yeah. So we chatted for a few minutes, blah, 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 good to meet you, hopefully, hopefully we'll, work to, we'll work together or something, you know, something of that nature. A few months later, we got cast, both of us, as uh, mortal instruments, the civil bones, as the two instruments, yeah. two So this is kind of cool. And then the whole string came about, the first time I heard it, he, he called me after he had a meeting. He had a meeting with Guillermo for, for part of the Russian. And I, my name was mentioned as the master. So he called me before, before, before I got the official call. He, he did not know that before that. He called me you know that you know, I was going to get a call from that was going to be cast as the master. Yeah. So I hung up with him down the stream when I had dinner and had supper together. So I mean, it's a great guy, he's still friends today. Still, he's in LA, so it's hard to, to see him sometimes because I live across the world here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I made some great friends on that set. And it was a great experience being on that show. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Because you know you've been getting, you know, there's there's people who leave wrestling and they don't have a life after wrestling, and you know you prove that you know you keep getting work after work after work, even if it's small roles, you're getting work. And I want to talk a little bit about Deadpool, Deadpool Two. How was Deadpool Two working on that set with Ryan Reynolds and everything? It was uh, it was awesome. It was great. It was awesome. Yeah. So I know after the huge success of the first film, they were going to say, well, we we're prepping for the sequel. Well, I can thank you for Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was there, I was, in, I was in Vancouver for another film. Well, it came over, man. Yeah. So I had a small role as one of the goons of mature, goofy comedy. Yeah. On Netflix. For Netflix. Yeah. So I was, I was 
doesn't matter if you have two weeks. And then I got uh, my agent sent me uh, an email that uh, this director wanted to meet me in Vancouver for yeah. a film shoot in Vancouver. Now they didn't say the name of the movie at first. Uh, it was a working title. I think it was. Yeah, it was a working title. It was a Love Machine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
seriously in the world. <laughs> but, uh, so, no, and then working with Ryan Reynolds is very uh, awesome because I didn't have a lot of time with him. You know, he's a busy guy. He's all over the place. Uh, but I, I managed to say hello to the makeup, makeup uh, trailer and uh, on set as well. Very funny guy. Kept pinching uh, different lines for the kids to say to me to, to insult me. Yeah. Which <laughs> was hilarious. And then we did the uh, big fight scene, but uh, it's stuntable. It was the second unit uh, in the trailer, in the transport prison truck. Yeah. Which was finally cut from the film, the final film. Which is fine, I'm happy because at least they kept the, uh, the prison scene, which is the best part. Yeah. But that was, no, great experience working on that. For the short time I had, you know, I had a few weeks, was fun. Spending time in Vancouver, I love Vancouver. Yeah. That's... Biking, bicycling around the park in the summer. <laughs> awesome. But the work, it was a great, a great time working on that. Yeah. Uh, Robert, um, do you have any regrets in life? Any regrets? Regrets? Yeah. I suppose, but... Uh, no. No regrets? I mean, regrets... I wish I would have stayed a bit longer. I would have learned more about the wrestling in, in terms. Yeah. To, to learn more, to, to, to be prepared at least. You know, to stay there a bit longer. But that's what... That's, I did the best I could. I think about it now. I did the best I could at the time what I had at the time. Mm-hmm. What that, the cards I had in my hands. And uh, it really was a, gave me the opportunity, the way to be an actor, to wrestling helped me to be the pathway to be an actor. Mm-hmm. So regrets, you know, I can, I try not to think, I think everybody has regrets, but you try not to think about it to, to, to deter yourself. To, yeah. to, uh, to be in the way. Because you're trying to, uh, I'm trying to think of a positive or ahead. Think forward. Do you think about regrets too much? What if, what if, what if I could do that? What if I could do that? I mean, the dwell on that too much is going to bring you down, stay in the present. You're not going to do that. Yeah. I'm trying to think forward. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Is there any type of role you haven't played yet that you would like to play? Well, I like to be. Of course, I, I am happy to play the monster role, the bad guy role. It's, it's, it's my uh, bread and butter roles, you know. So I'm happy to, because the way I look, I'm happy to play those kind of roles. It gives, it gets me work. But I like to be, show, I like to show people that I could act, you know. I like to be diversity. You know, I can do comedy. I like to do comedy more. I did some comedy a little mm-hmm. bit, but it was uh, Deadpool or uh, Deadpool just came over, man. Comedy and a little bit of drama as well, which I, I played a little bit of it in a, 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 a Big Bang movie. Yeah. To do drama a bit. To try to show people, show people that I could be an actor, not just this big guy. Because I usually find I, I won't get the Tom Cruise roles, just the way I look, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. You know, but I can show people that I'm more than that. I'm more than a big guy, a seven foot guy that can. I'm capable of being an actor, you know, listen. So it's, it's always, for me, to show, you know, my, my goal, I guess, is to show people yeah. that I could do it. Yeah. Know, I'm not here by accident. I'm here for, for my, my, my abilities, I would say. So, I, yeah, to be diverse, to be, to be a diversity. I mean, I, of course, I like to be in all the uh, series, like the James Bond series. Yeah. Oh. That's fine. It would be great. If it doesn't, that's fine. Too, you know. But if, 
just would be great. Star Wars, Star Trek, Indiana Jones. Yeah. That'd be awesome. You know? wow. But wow. Uh, if they can play those deaths, those, uh, you know, the role I had in the poor, the movie that came out on Netflix, you know, that was a fun role to play. Yeah. Where I was able to, uh, to sing a bit in it. Saying, uh, saying, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was a great director to work with. You know, easygoing guy, uh, Jonas Alkaline, director. He's very easygoing guy, very open to ideas. Yeah. Of, of, of all the, the actors and about uh, playing our characters, you know. Yeah. And I like sometimes play that role. So if I can find roles like that in the future, that's my goal. Just to keep busy and keep working as a working actor. Yeah. Um, Have you ever been? I mean, yeah. yeah. I was actually, um, have you ever been asked to be involved in a wrestling movie? Because, you know, there's, a, I think, a Hulk Hogan movie coming out for Netflix, and there's, you know, like different movies like that. Have you ever been asked to appear in a wrestling in a movie? movie? Yeah. Uh, early in my career, I played a wrestler. This is my first two gigs back home. It's a TV series where I played a wrestler. Oh, you okay. Desi Ventura. Yes. The type of character where how he got started wrestling that was kind of the wrestlers where he beats up. Oh, I, I remember that. I would, they, they gave that on what? It was like on NBC or something like that. It was a long time ago, no, right? It was comedy. It was no, it was with the uh, uh, Leslie Nielsen. Le oh, okay, okay. He was the whole. They made fun of A and E biography. Remember the biography? Oh yes, yes. The Unreal yeah, Story of Professional Wrestling. No, it was called Liarocracy. Yeah. It's called Comedy Central. Comedy Central. Yeah. And uh, so I played a wrestler. But, but, you know, yeah, it was very interesting because I pissed a shirt on my Facebook and I got a lot of hits for, because the idea of to mention my name to play Andre. Yes. That's what I was about to say. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm open to that idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, if I had a chance to audition for it, I can find a way to. If they are auditioning for Andre, I don't know what they're doing. They are, if they're doing the Hulk Hogan movie, Andre has to be in it. Of yes. Course. You can't have a Hulk movie without Andre. I know they're doing it in there early in his career. Yes. That's what I read. Uh, with uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Huh? With uh, Chris Hemsworth as Hulk Hogan. Well, Chris, yeah, they're doing it early part before, the, before it becomes big. Right? Yeah. Hulkamania, right? So mm -hmm. it'll be early in his career. So, of course, Andre was always around in his Hogan's career. Yeah. So they would have so to have somebody to yeah, I mean I'll be happy to audition and to try out or to be Andre. Yep, you would be uh, perfect. I background, I am French. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> Just throwing it yeah, out there. <laughs> similarities, you know, yep. the big guy, small guy, I could I'm, I'm, I'm a background, you know, I'm a professor, man, experience, yep. so that uh, helps too. Yep. Would you shave your beard though? I, I shave my head. Yeah. And my, my I like that. I like that motto. I like that motto. That's true. That's true. I don't care. Like, do anything with me. I don't care. Uh, but no, I mean, I'd be happy to play that. Who knows? You know. But uh, be happy to have an opportunity to play that. Yeah, Robert. Working I know. Chris Elmworth. Elmworth would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I know you've been married for a while. I want to ask your opinion. What's the <laughs> What's the key to a successful marriage? Yeah. You know, we love each other. 
respect each other. She's uh, smarter than me, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, we listen, just listen to her, just respect. Just, I mean, that's not. Just give it. Basically, we have to be free to stop her own emotions. She has to. So she wants to do. You know, she has a career. Yeah. My career you can't be in the way of that love. You know, and you have to be respect the freedom as well. But to love each other and try to do stuff and be to make sure you. You have to be a best friend too. It was it's tough though. Uh, uh, yeah, we've been married for 22 years. Wow. I knew, well, I knew, I knew her well since about uh, 20. Twenty-two, twenty about twenty-four years. Wow! Since, since I met it, really, I mean, we got married two years later. But uh, during the WWF days, it was not easy. Yeah, you know, it was always on the way, especially those four months. Yeah, but this it was tough on us, you know. It's, it's, it was tough on her, you know, and, and being away from doing movie shoots, exotic locations. Sometimes I couldn't bring her because she has her job and had to raise our, our daughter here too. Yeah. I want to be remiss to ask you, um, do you have any crazy wrestling road stories that you could share? Crazy wrestling road stories? <laughs> Restaurants, okay, in LA. Yeah. But we had the little big boy. Uh, like the mascot, restaurant. right? Well, we stopped there uh, for, to, to have, after the show to eat, and then uh, he, he bought he bought the mascot from the, the merch store, and he kept antagonizing me with it. He kept hitting me with it <laughs> in the car. <laughs> <laughs> just to joke around, I was, I was getting frustrated with him. So I, I punched him in the shoulder, of course, but I punched him hard too. <laughs> uh, I think I punched him in the shoulder or in the leg. I gave him a, I gave him a, a horse. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> punched him in the, anyways, he didn't do it again at all. So, <laughs> so you, you can get pretty frustrated on the road. It's, you know, it's long hours on the road, on the car. Yeah. So you can get each other's nerves. But, uh, <laughs> no, we got along afterwards. He's okay. He's still alive. But, uh, but no, on the road. I mean, crazy story. I was I was there for for uh, the Montreal Screwjob. Oh, you was there for that? Yeah. I was there. I was there. I was a witness to that. The whole mayhem. Oh. In Montreal. It was it was uh, uh, unbelievable. No, not unbelievable, but an unforgettable night. Yeah. Uh, something to see because I was in the, the dressing room 
we, me and Barry became was my partner in the Jewish Convention. We did our match, our first big match in Survivor Series. We, we did, with the Jewish Convention, we got us over. After the match, uh, we knew Brett and Sean, that's, that's going to be big, because I knew, we knew Brett was going to, it's going to be his last match before it was, it was okay. This is still part of the process, because the idea of Brett leaving, and then it's a shot. So, we were watching them in the monitor backstage, and, uh, and then we saw that stupid finish, that finish, like, out of the blue, was like, me and Barry kind of looking at each other, like, like that's not good, that's, that, that can't be right. Yes. Yeah. Let's, let's get the fuck out of here before they're fucking, <laughs> it's the van, because they know it's good, you know, it was like a shocking moment, you know. So we went to our the dressing room, and of course, in the dressing room, that's where Brett was there, had his stuff there, and that's what Sean had his gear there too. Yeah. So we got our gear, and then the agents told us to stay because they, uh, they were afraid that, of course, Sean and Brett were going to go at it again because they, 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 they fought before, a few months before, because they really hated each other. And they would need us some guys to keep them apart. So he asked us to stay. So like, thank you for getting us involved in that shit. You know? Especially with Brett. With Brett helped us a lot. Yeah. My career, you know, especially in, the, in the Calgary. Brett helped me to get into the internet. So I didn't want to be in the way of that. But uh, we went, I didn't have a choice. So I remember Sean coming in and denying the whole thing. It's not me. It wasn't my fault. I didn't know about it. Blah, blah, blah. Of course, he knew about it. Yeah. Years later. So, and then, Greg comes in, after he destroys the set there in the, in the ring, comes in, and then very sound and very quiet, pissed off, of course, uh, asking, remember asking Sean if he had anything to do with it, and Sean denied it. And then, uh, and that was it. Nothing happened. And, and, you know, so, Brett uh, took off his gear and went to the showers. Then that's where uh, that's where uh, Vince comes in. Vince, because Vince was hiding in his office yeah. the whole time, and the Undertaker was pissed off. The whole he was mad. Basically, force he forced Vince to get out of his office and confront Brett. So that's what he did. So uh, Vince came out, uh, came into the office. But I remember seeing Sean, Shane McMahon, uh, all the big agents showing up in the, in the dressing room. And that's, that's where they told us to leave. Okay, guys, you can go. And we were happy to leave. It was like, thank you. We're, we're basically ran off back to our cars. Uh, I remember I remember saying, uh, when we got to the cars in the, in the arena, I remember seeing Vince with his own garage. Staggered. So I'm assuming he got, we didn't know, but he got punched by we didn't know had no clue. Yeah. Until we got to the hotel. We got to the hotel and that's where the boys were there and that's where they told us that Brett punched him and knocked him out. Mm. It was like an unbelievable night. It was a surreal night. It's like my eyes were blowing. Wow. It was a beautiful weekend, you know, the next day uh, we had a big meeting with Vince for wild T V taping and all around and uh, told us about what happened, we had to be done, blah blah blah. Business was business to do, it was just surreal. Was this tough without Brett being there? Brett was a, a mentor. You know, we were always asking for advice, but he wasn't there anymore. He was 
nationalist, very, it was, um, very happy to tell the story because it was cool being part of history. People still talk about it. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Though. So it's, it's just, they still talk about it. Yeah. Some people thought it was a work. Some people thought it was fake, or it was it was staged. It was no, real, I right? Know. It was real. It was real. It yeah. Was real. It wasn't a work. I mean, it, it could have been. It, it was too perfect to be to be to be a work. And yeah. You can you can make it a work. It would have been so funny. Yeah. It was real. I mean, I was there. It was a lot of emotions. I know people who were involved in it, like the family members of Brett, which I knew, and it was very heavy uh, on emotions. Uh, so it, it was real. It was real emotions. Yeah. It was tough. It was, uh, I'm happy they got wrong afterwards. They got the past thing wrong later, years later. But uh, it was not a great night, you know? Yeah. I'm happy I got to see it at least. I was there. Yeah. It was, it was tough. It was tough to watch the predicament. Oh, Robert, so winding down with you, because I know it's late for you, um, my, couple of, my final question for you is, what would the Robert of today tell the Robert of yesterday? Stick to the gym. <laughs> you know, I was in the, the gym. No, seriously, because yeah. I learned something else, learned another martial art or background. And I think that would help the wrestling thing. Would help, you know, that if you have a background or something of wrestling, wrestling or martial art, it would help you have your professional wrestling career. You know. Or it could, like, I was going to, sometimes you go to the gym and you think, No, but yeah. You don't go at all, you know. So basically, I'll be telling myself, stick to the gym. Stick <laughs> to it. But the no, just, just, I would probably tell my, my young self, just continue to be yourself, you know. Don't be, don't pretend. Because that's helped me a lot too. Not, not pretending to be somebody else. I'm a very grounded guy. Wow, that's, that's you, wow, that's it. 
<laughs> it's an amazing story. <laughs> uh, Robert, um, plug your social media and plug. I know you were talking about Polar that you have coming up. Um, next, I think what is it next this year coming up? Polar. It's out already. It's out already. Okay. Yeah, it's been out for almost a month. Uh, a month. Yeah, okay. Netflix. Okay. Is it is it on on demand or something you can see? Is it on demand? Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. 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 Um, plug your social media, plug if anybody wants to get a hold of you or if they want to like, you know, like get a, get in touch with you or talk about wrestling stories or see what you got coming up next. You have like a website or anything? Well, I got, uh, I don't have a website. I have, I, uh, I have my Twitter. Your Twitter? Okay. My Twitter account. This is, it's under my name, my Twitter. And of course I got my fan, my fan page. Yeah. Yeah, and look at that. That's how we got in contact. I'll be, I'll, be in a, I'll be in a convention too as well. I, I have a convention. This is in August. This is in the summer. And uh, so tired now. Oh, Cambridge, Cambridge, UK, in the UK. Okay. Okay, um, have you ever done like a StarCast convention or like the WrestleCons? Have you ever done any WrestleCons? Or? I did a couple of Legends of Wrestling. Yeah. Jersey, which is fun. See, the boys, your old friends, and all over the years. Yeah. This is cool because I never, you know, I don't think I've heard you done a podcast before. So it's really cool to get an insight story of how you know you got into the business and how you got into acting. It's a really cool story, and I, I appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell my story. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.